Welcome to the Empowered Movement Podcast. Hello, friends. It is me, the host, Dr. Emily Rausch. I am a sports medicine chiropractor located in Boise, Idaho. I specialize in working with pole, aerial, and circus artists and treat people both in person and virtually. So if that's something that you're interested in, hit me up. Um, a few disclaimers. Well, mostly one disclaimer. I have a amazing golden retriever. His name is Samson that insists on being very close to me all the time. So there is a high chance that you will hear some random noises coming from him. It is what it is. And now on to the episode. Hello, friends. Happy Friday and good morning. It's morning and Friday when I'm recording this. I don't usually record podcasts in the morning, to be honest, because um, my brain doesn't fire on all cylinders for another like half an hour or so. But I have a really busy day and I wanted to get back on the once a week podcast episode train. So hopefully this isn't too much of me just like rambling more than usual. I ramble a lot on these, but here we are. Um, The nugget is chilling right next to me. He has his teddy bear and a glow in the dark football ready just in case I want to play with either one of them. Um, He's also being really burpy this morning. I don't know if you know that dogs can burp, To be honest, I didn't realize that they had the ability to burp until I got him. Um, And I've had a lot of dogs. Well, I guess I've had, he's my fourth dog. So I don't know if that's a lot of dogs or not. But I don't remember my other dogs burping ever, let alone on a daily occurrence. So if you hear someone burping in the background, it is Samson. And with that, good morning. Um... Wanted to talk about like our kind of normal weekly wrap up, but then also wanted to chat a little bit about stress because the world is a dumpster fire. Actually, well, the world, but then also just like the United States is a dumpster fire and it has been for a long time and it doesn't seem to be getting any better, which is frustrating and overwhelming. Um, And... I saw a a tweet the other day that's like our nervous systems are not designed to process like this much information and this much grief, um, especially in such a short period of time. And it's been just like chronic for the past, what, like two ish years plus of just like thing after thing after thing. Um, And I don't know if talking about stress is going to help. But I think it's interesting um, to, to learn how our nervous systems work a little bit because our nervous systems obviously control everything that we do. I shouldn't say obviously, maybe you didn't know that. So everything that we experience, uh, whether it's, you know, brushing your hand up against something or looking around your room, um, that input is going through your brain, which is like the motherboard of our nervous system. And then it like disperses um, throughout our whole body through a variety of different chemical reactions. So if we can have a better understanding of how our nervous systems work, I think we can understand some of the ways that we behave and the ways that other people behave. And I found it to be helpful the more that I learn about it to not, I want to say detach, but I don't mean like dissociate from things, but just 
kind of click out of that like emotional state into more of a like rational state. We'll say that if you have the ability to see a mental health professional, um, do, please do. Um, I actually thought I had a therapy appointment this week. Usually I see my therapist on Wednesday um, and I see them every other week. And I thought I had an appointment this week, um, but it turns out it's next week. And so I had like a little a little moment of like, shit, I would love to be able to talk to someone about how I'm feeling with everything that's been happening. Um, but I have to wait until next Wednesday for that to happen. So um, don't worry, I'm fine. But it's just uh, like going to therapy on a regular basis has helped me be able to process um, just existing in this world. And if it's something that is in your capacity to do, because I know that um, therapy can be expensive and you have to like take time off potentially if you work uh, like nine to five or eight to five job. But if there's a way for you to put it into your schedule, um, honestly, there's really nothing else in the world that has helped me as much as going to therapy has. So here to say mental health matters. And I think May is mental health month. So we're coming in on the end of that. Every month should be mental health month because it impacts just like everything that we do. And with that, let's um, do a really quick weekly wrap up. Um, appreciate everyone that reached out to me after last um, week's episode. I know it was kind of a an interesting episode for me to do, but it was how I was feeling. Um, and had a, yeah, I had a few people say that they appreciate the stuff that I put out into the interwebs into the universe, um, which was like nice to hear. So if you were one of those people, thank you. Um, quick weekly wrap up before we dive into talking about our nervous system and stress. So I don't remember where I ended my um, weekly wrap up in. So I'm just going to count back like seven posts on my Instagram and we can chat about um, those ones. So the first one is cortisone injections. This is a really interesting topic to me because they are very often um, given as like, I don't know what the right wording is. So I've had one in the past and it was for a hip injury that I was struggling with. Um, There was a good chunk of time where I was getting in car accidents like on a consistent basis. Not my fault. Just want to throw that out there because every time I say this, people are like, oh, you're a shitty driver. Not wrong. I'm not the best driver, but I was getting rear-ended by other people on a consistent basis. Not my fault. Um, so I went into a um, what is it? It was like Missoula Bone and Joint was the place that I went. I'm gonna call them out. Um, it's like an orthopedic. Um, there's like surgeons, medical doctors, physical therapists. Like it's this like integrated clinic that um, is in Montana, and. Got x-rays. My hip wasn't broken, thank goodness, which was honestly what I was thinking because I was like, God, it won't go away. Um, And the doctor was like, it's not broken. I'm going to give you an injection and then send you to physical therapy. And it was just given like so nonchalantly to be like, this is what you should do that I honestly didn't even question it. And it wasn't until I was in chiropractic school that I learned about the side effects that come with cortisone shots that I was like, this should not be the first thing that is offered, like physical therapy. And then if it's not getting better, let's chat about injections. But not my experience and not the experience that a lot of people have um, based on conversations that I've had with people. So one cortisone cortisone shot probably isn't going to 
damage too many things besides the fact that you're like having a needle injected into your body. But um, I know people that they're on like a schedule to get them where it's like, oh, I haven't had my shot for like this quarter of the year yet. And cortisone um, negatively impacts the integrity of your tissue. So it decreases the pain, but it like makes the tissues weaker. So it shouldn't be something that is given very frequently. It should be, if it's going to be given at all, should be a like you know, one, maybe two times. And if that's not resolving the issue, then exploring other options. I also think it's really important to point out that just because the pain goes away doesn't mean that the cause of whatever was irritating you to have pain is going to be gone. So um, an example that comes to mind, it's very common for it to be given in the shoulder um, and People will have some severe pain and they'll get a cortisone shot and then they don't have the pain anymore, but we're not really taking a step back and being like, okay, what were you doing? What was contributing to you developing that pain in the first place? And pain is complex and multifactorial. Um, Don't want to just make it seem like there's like one thing that can make your pain go away. But like if you're training improperly and that led to you experiencing pain, you get the shot and you don't change your training, what is going to keep that from coming back? And what can happen, and I've seen it happen to people in the past, is that they're training in a manner that their body does not like. There's not like good training or bad training. It's just what is your body responding to and what is your body ready for? So they're training in a way that their body is like not responding positively to. They develop pain in an area of their body. Um, Usually they do the like, I'm going to take two weeks off to rest. And then they go back to training the exact way that they were before, which their body's not ready for. Pain comes back. They go and see someone. They're given a shot. It makes the pain go away, which is nice. Like, don't get me wrong. But then um, they go back to training the same way that their body's not ready for. And then that cycle can repeat um, for a while. And then either one of two things happen. People stop training because they're like, you know, I'm constantly in pain. So this, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Or they end up having a more invasive procedure done, which doesn't, doesn't need to happen because really the issue is that they were training in a way that their body wasn't ready for. So that's my little spiel about cortisone shots. Um, Once again, I'm biased because I am a conservative care provider and think that we should look at the body kind of holistically and figure out what all is going on with you as opposed to just being like, oh, you have pain here. Let me inject it with something. Um, the next post that I made actually got a lot of um, shares and likes, which makes me both happy and then also kind of giggle because um, the post that I spend a really long time on trying to like be informative and like creative um don't always do the best, but the ones that I'm like, I don't know, like this, this post, I was just like walking out my front door and recorded myself, like walking out the front door and put some audio over it was like loved, um, like hella loved, which is, it's fine. It's funny. But, um, it was the caption on it was like pole dancers ignoring their injuries and going to train in pain. Um, talked a lot about athlete brain, where 
as a, whether or not you identify as an athlete, and we've talked about this before, labels are something that people either like resonate with or they tend to reject. I consider pole dancers to be athletes, but then to be honest, I consider most people that choose to be active athletes um, have a part of their brain that is like, no, I'm, I'm not hurt. Like I can still train even though I'm experiencing pain. So it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily injured. And this is something that I've struggled with myself because I feel like there's like two, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to say like the devil and the angel on my shoulder, but like the athlete part of me is like, no, I have goals that I want to achieve. And I'm like, I'm okay. If I don't like admit that I'm in pain, like I'm not actually hurt. And the provider part of me is like, if you just like recognize that you're experiencing pain, you could change this. So there's like conflicting feelings that happen. And I feel like I'm not alone in that. Actually, I know I'm not alone because I got a lot of messages um, from it. And I feel like where it's important to try to get to within your own self is what, what would it mean if you admitted that you needed help and admitted that you were injured? Like, would that mean that you're a failure, that you're going to lose progress, that you're going to lose access to your community? Um, you won't have the ability, ability to express yourself. Um, there's a lot of fear that, co- that can come up when you are injured and it means that you have to like admit that and really want to say that it takes a lot of vulnerability to ask for help um, and seek care from someone else. And it's something that I don't take lightly, to be honest, because I have the same, um, I don't know if reservation is the right word, but like, even though I'm a provider myself, when I have things going on and I like need to make an appointment with someone else for help, I have these feelings of like, uh, could I just figure this out myself? Like, do I really need to ask someone else for help or can I can I do this on my own? And let me tell you, every time I ask for help, it goes a lot better, but I still have to like wrestle with that in my head um, a lot. So, um, and then I also got a really interesting message after I posted this that I am still wrestling with the best way to turn it into like an actionable thing. So a lovely human messaged me and said like, hey, sometimes people aren't ignoring the fact that they're hurt. They just realize that seeking care is like outside of their realm of reality, whether it's like time-wise or financial-wise or um, the providers that they have access to, they they like know that they're not going to be able to help them. Um, and I one, want to recognize that to say like, yes, that is the reality for a lot of people in the world. And then what I've been trying to figure out with, and I've been wrestling with it for a while because I have, um, I don't want to say conflicting. I just have like a lot of thoughts around it where I realize that it is challenging to access care. um, And even if you have insurance, it doesn't mean that it's going to be um, a covered service. So like you're paying out of pocket. I don't accept insurance for anything that I do for Um, my business, and I'll be very frank with you, mostly it's because I don't have the patience to deal with insurance companies. Um, That was a a previous life job where I was the one like doing billing for an office. And I was like, I will never do this. The amount of hoops that providers have to jump through to give care to patients is absurd. And I might actually do a whole episode 
on this because I don't think a lot of people realize how challenging it is from a provider standpoint to deal with insurance companies. It also is from a consumer standpoint, but like uh, the health insurance industry in the United States has like everyone by the throat, like only they are benefiting. Um, anyways, so calm down. I was like getting all riled up about insurance in this country, but what I would like to figure out a way to do is to provide a more accessible way to work with me that is um trying to find a nice words to say this. So school costs a lot of money. I've spent a lot of money to have the education that I have. I have bills, I have you know things that I need to pay for that that cost money, but want healthcare to be more accessible to people. So how can I do that in a way where both parties are benefiting? Um, and it's not me just giving away services for free because I don't think people value those as much as they do when they have to pay for things. I'll just be like frank with it. Um, and there's research to show that too. Like when you get stuff for free, you don't think that it's as valuable as if you have to pay thing anything for it. Um, so trying to find some sort of way to have, um, I don't know, maybe a scholarship or like a discounted day where it won't be free, but it'll be like less money than it normally is to work with me. And then like a limited number of spots per month so that it's not, um, overwhelming for me to, to do. So if you have any, I don't know, ideas about that, um, reach out because it's it's one where I've I've wrestled with it a lot. I've had some people um, say like maybe I could do a, a Patreon and use that funds that are raised to like, you know, offer one free spot a month or to do like discounted services, like I said, or another person um, suggested having people that have the, the means to pay full price for me donate a extra money for someone else. Um, and so I don't know, TBD on that, but it's something that I'm, I've been wrestling with for a while that I've, tr I'm going to try to figure out. Um, I'm going to figure it out. Let me say that. I'm not going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to pick something and we're going to, we're going to move forward with it. Um, next post was not every training session needs to be incredibly challenging. A well-rounded training program includes less intense days and this was actually sparked from a discovery call that I had with an amazing human um, that said she was training a few days a week. And every single time she was training, it was at least a seven out of 10, usually like a seven or eight. So if we're, you know, going from like a zero to 10 scale, zero would be, I don't know, sleeping. And then 10 would be like the hardest you could possibly work out your average in my opinion, should not be at the high end of the scale. Like you should have, I don't know, some days that are an eight, other days that are three, you know, and then like everything in between. And like, you know, every once in a while, maybe a day that's like, like really, really hard, but it shouldn't be always on like the upper echelon of that scale. And if it is, it's really challenging for your body to recover um, from the intensity that you're doing. And there could be some arguments where it's like, oh, you know, they're only training three days a week. So if the three days are an eight out of 10, like they're probably fine. 
they probably would be fine, except for the fact that they were on a discovery call with me because they were experiencing some aches and pains with the intensity of their training. So something to consider that if you're trying a lot of things to recover from an injury or just something that doesn't feel great, look at the intensity of your training. And that might be the variable that you need to play with to feel better. Um, The next post was a um, reel about pole dancers attempting a trick just one more time and are now hurt, which is also a pretty common theme in the discovery calls that I have with people where they're like, things were going really great. And then I, you know, was filming myself and I realized I didn't quite get the right angle and I really wanted the right angle for my Instagram picture. So I tried just one more time and then I heard a pop. I was tired, so I fell. Now I'm hurt, blah, blah, blah. So just one more time, honestly, is uh, something that we need to be aware of. Um, And if you are, are a just one more time person, what what are you going to gain by doing it just one more time? And maybe you'll gain a lot, maybe you won't, but I think that's something that we need to like filter through if we get to the point where we're like, just one more time. That might be a good signal for you to be like, hey, I need to maybe explore this. Um, And one of the the ways that I found to be um, beneficial for myself if I get to that just one more time is like, looking back on how many reps of a move that I've done, especially if it is a more challenging move for me. Um, So like, I don't know, example, I can invert a lot. That's not super challenging for me. So if I'm like, oh, I'm just going to invert one more time, I'm going to be fine. If I'm trying to do something like, I'm going to keep using Gennaro because this fucking trick is like the bane of my existence. Um, If I'm trying to get into Gennaro one more time, and it, that is like an all-out effort skill for me, chances are I'm already fatigued. If I've done it like more than two, maybe three times, I'm already going to be fatigued. And then if I'm like just one more time, um, I'm just honestly like playing a gambling game with whether or not I'm going to injure my shoulder. So if I get to that point, I'm like, nope, you've already tried it enough times. And to be honest, it's like three times max for me. Then I'm like, you could do it the next time you come in. Nothing is going to really change drastically if I am able to do it today versus tomorrow or the next day. So let it go. The next post was on the rotator cuff. And a lovely human was so kind to point out that I misspelled one of the muscles on like the second slide. Thank you. Um, Which is fine. It's fine that they pointed it out. I was just like, motherfucker. I... Didn't I didn't realize that. Um, attention to detail is something that I think I'm good at, but I'm not. Um, so yeah, we, I broke down each one of the muscles of the rotator cuff, C-U-F-F. It's not a cup, not a C-U-P. Um, and the actions of each one of the muscles and then some um, applications to pull and then just like my own thoughts on the rotator cuff and injuries in pole dancers and the biggest takeaway is that rotator cuff injuries are pretty common in most sports that require shoulder movements especially repetitive shoulder movements um and then the traditional rotator cuff exercises 
um, are not geared towards pole dancers or aerialists. So to give an example of what is considered an overhead athlete in traditional sports medicine, is like a baseball thrower. Baseball throwing, pole. Very different. Baseball throwing, straps. Very different. So the rehab exercises that a typical provider knows are going that when you're like they're going to be thinking like oh overhead athlete baseball thrower not overhead athlete pole dancer aerialist so um just i guess be aware of that that you probably need some different exercises than what um, a standard physio program is going to give you and i had a lot of comments and messages about sharing some examples of these and i will add that to the to make lists. I might actually make that real today. So TBD on that. Um, and then my next post is I have a few openings for my pole performance program. Yay. I have a few people that are graduating and I say that like both happy and sad because it's like amazing that they're feeling better and they don't, they don't feel like they need to work with me anymore. But then it's also sad because I've spent the past few months working with them and I won't get to see their beautiful faces on a daily basis anymore. So I did um, two posts on one is just like kind of an overview on what the pole performance program includes. Um, and then I have spaces for three people. So if you are wanting to work with me and even holding out for me to make a post saying like, Hey, I have spots open. Um, now is the time. And I would message me pretty soon because I have, um, I've had the most interactions with the, like, Hey, I'm looking for three people though. At one point I had 21 messages that I needed to read about my, like, Hey, I'm looking for three people. So reach out like soon if you're um, interested in working together, I haven't had anyone sign up yet. So the three spots are still open. It'll just be, um, like the first three people that say that they're, like ready to invest their time, energy, and money into working with me that will take the three spots. And then everybody else will be kicked onto a waiting list to uh, wait until, oh gosh, sorry, Instagram's playing in the background, um, wait until I have spots open again, because I figured out the like max number of people that I can handle um, in my pole performance program on my own, because literally just me making or doing everything with my business right now. Um, and so I... Yeah, the thought of having 21 people add on right now, no. I have space for three. I probably could do maybe up to five um, because I have a few people that are their programs are getting ready to end, and I don't know if they're going to continue working with me or not. Um, but, yeah, anyways, got some spots. Reach out if you have something that you're wanting to, to work on. And then my final post for the weekly wrap-up is... Injuries can be pivot points, and they force you to assess if your training is sustainable. And I really liked the phrase pivot points, and I heard it um, on a Bendy Bodies podcast yesterday. 10 out of 10 recommend that podcast. If you are a hypermobile person, I learn um, stuff from every single episode that they do. And they injuries suck, let's say that, like point blank period, but they can force you to pivot how you're doing things. And that I think is the only blessing from them is it instead of having people that are mm, 
like really truly long term chronically injured because they didn't change their training even though they were being injured like when they were younger. If you can say like, hey, I'm injured and I don't want this to be my future and my reality for any longer, you can pivot and put yourself on a different path, which I um, recommend if you are someone that is struggling with injuries frequently. And it's something that um, I've struggled with in the past because I, to be honest, I used to identify as someone that was always injured. I'm like, I'm a frequently injured person. Um, And I changed how I was training. And I'm not injured, like hardly ever anymore. I still have days where I have some like random aches and pains, um, but it's not anything nearly as close as what I was having before I reflected on how I was training. So that is the weekly roundup. And then going to pivot into talking about stress for um, just a little bit because it is important. So what is stress? There's two types of stress. When we think of like, oh, I'm being stressed, um, we typically are talking about distress, which is a negative stress response. It has a negative effect on our body and our physiology. Um, Usually we're like overwhelmed. There's like threats perceived or real, demands, losses, um, it will have a detrimental effect by generating physical and psychological maladaption and can pose some serious health risks for individuals. But the flip side is there's like eustress, which is a positive stress response. So it's like an optimal level of stimulation. Um, and it can happen when you're challenged in a like enjoyable way, which is like, uh, pole dancing. Pole dancing could be a example of you stress where it's like, this is stressful, but like I'm enjoying it. Um, buying a house is another one that people usually give as an example or like having a baby. People that want to have kids, that would be like a good stressful event. Where it's important to manage stress is because if you're having negative negative stress happen, it can increase your levels of anxiety it can increase your heart rate. It can increase your blood pressure, um, your blood sugar. can give you headache. Obesity rates increase. Um, what else do we have? Your immune system suppressed. That's huge. Um, what else? Heart rate, muscle tension, abnormal hormones. All of, like Honestly, a lot of the symptoms that people can have where they're like, hey, I don't know why I have a headache. I don't know why I have so much muscle tension. I don't know why I just like feel like shit all the time. It could be because your stress levels are too high. And when we're talking about our nervous system, which basically, like I said at the beginning of this, controls everything that we do in the in the world and in life, um, there's a f- couple different parts of it that are um, – Affected. So we have our central nervous system, which is our brain and spinal cord. And from that, there's branches off to make our peripheral nervous system. Um, so the, there are like cranial nerves, our spinal nerves, and they communicate between the body and our brain slash spinal cord. Um, and then there's two different divisions of the peripheral nervous system. You have your 
sensory division and your motor division. So, and that makes like the name literally is what they are. So you sense things or you move things. And then the motor division is divided again. So it's like a tree branch. And so there's the autonomic nervous system and then like the somatic nervous system. So there's involuntary movements is your autonomic and then the somatic is voluntary movements. So examples of both are like I can choose to like squeeze my hand and like relax it, but I can't actively say like heart pump. Like it's just going to pump, right? Like, and God, can you imagine if you had to tell your heart to beat, like actively be like, okay, heart beat, 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 chaos. So there's things that just happen naturally in our body. Those are the autonomic nervous systems. Um control and then the ones that we get to be like I want to lift my arm up or move my toes those are more the somatic from the autonomic one once again it's divided into two and so we have our sympathetic division and our parasympathetic division sympathetic is the like fight flight freeze part and then the sympathetic is like more of the rest and digest so when we're stressed we have um, a signal that comes from our amygdala, which is part of our brain, into the hypothalamus, which is also part of the brain that activates our autonomic nervous system's command center, um, which then goes like fight, flight, freeze, releases epinephrine, um, increases your heart rate, increases your blood pressure and breathing rate, um, and then frees up like glucose and fat for energy because your body is like okay, I need to be ready to like react to this threat. Um, it makes sense when it's like something in real life, meaning like a bear chasing you where you're like, fuck, I got to go. Where it can be interesting in just, I would say today's age, because I don't know another time where you can have this same um, perceived threat I guess it's probably the the best example of like you don't know what's going to happen when you go somewhere anymore, um, right? Like there's so many places that you, you used to think you would just be safe to go into. And I don't know about y'all, but more and more it's like there's not a lot of places that there hasn't been a event that – you need to be kind of aware of now where we're kind of on this like hyper guard all the time when we're out in public. Um, and there's not necessarily a active threat happening, but there's the chance that an active threat could happen. So our body is like a little bit into this like fight, flight, free state at all times. Um, and then the, the second part of the stress response involves your hypothalamus, your pituitary gland, and your adrenal cortex. Um, so different hormones are released from each gland. And then the end part of this like cascade of events is cortisol being released from your adrenals, which are a gland on top of your kidneys. And then once the threat is passed, the body will reduce this response and then increase your parasympathetic nervous system to return your body to baseline or homeostasis. And this is where I want us to focus more on is because we, and I'm saying we, because I, I guess I'm just assuming that people are experiencing life similar to how I am, where you're trying to just like do your daily things, 
you know, a lot of our interactions happen to be on social media or on our phones. You open your phone and you have no idea what you're going to see. Um, and a lot of times how I find out about like events is because I open my phone trying to see what's going on with my friends on social media. And then I'm like, oh, this occurred somewhere in the world. And then there's usually a lot of following messages about whatever event it was happening. So um, tech, the school shooting in Texas was like the most recent one that I know of, like knock on wood. Hopefully there's nothing going on in the world as I'm recording this. So um, found out about the shooting. And then now every single time that you open your social media, very likely there's going to be people posting about like, you know, the news coverage of the event, tweets about the event, um, ways to to donate, to help, to lobby your senators, call your senators. Um, and it can be a lot. It can be either like mildly triggering your fight or flight freeze response or like majorly depending upon where you are. So spending more time activating your parasympathetic rest and digest nervous system is important, especially like all the time, but especially when there's like high stress events happening. Um, so when we're talking about cortisol, because that's kind of where we left off of like the final part of this cascade is Cortisol has a function a lot. I guess like most things like get demonized in the body because people don't really understand all of it. They just know like one part of it. So cortisol is like a, a natural thing. It has a pattern that is designed besides our like stress response, but it peaks in the morning when we're waking up to help wake us up and then slowly declines throughout the day so that we can go to sleep and then would spike again to wake us up. Um, it increases our heart rate, our blood pressure, our blood sugar. It will break down our muscles for protein, um, increases appetite, and then also fear and anxiety, which all of these things have like a time and a place. They're not necessarily bad um, or good. They're just like a normal occurring thing. And then it will also decrease your memory, cognition, bone building activity, immune system, and your ability to feel full, which when we're regulated, like these are all like normal occurrences, right? If we're having some sort of scary thing happening, having a spike in cortisol to increase our heart rate, blood pressure, blood sugar. So we have the energy to like go run away, fear and anxiety. You know, we have a threat that's like a normal response. Um, and then the things that it decreases, we don't really need to remember scary things or remember a lot of things when we're like actively having a threat happen um, or build bones or have our immune system be functioning full force like while we're having that event occur, right? But when the event is occurring all the time and we have like chronically stressed levels and chronically high levels of cortisol, these are all things that are not good. So we need to make sure that we are regulating it. Um, the things that I think are the most beneficial, but because I feel like a lot of times it's like, manage your stress. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, how do I manage this? Um, working on finding like intentional ways to 
get yourself into more of a parasympathetic state is really, 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 really important. Sorry, I thought I was going to sneeze for a second. My nose got, uh, my voice got really nasally because I'm like, don't sneeze while recording. Gross. So um, make, finding ways to limit the amount of examples or like times that you're going to intentionally kick yourself into more of a sympathetic state is important. And I realize this is like tricky because myself included, like I am on my phone a lot. I will freely admit that I am like addicted to Instagram. Um, and it's like almost, well, it's not even like almost an unconscious habit. It is like the second I open my phone, it's like, what's going on on Instagram? Um, and I've have limits that on it. And I still just say like, ignore for 15 minutes. So finding ways to actively disconnect from the things that you know are kicking you into that sympathetic state. Um, I've gotten to the point where I will like put my phone in a different room so that I cannot open it up. Um, being outside, having your like hands, feet in dirt is really grounding, um, being by trees, painting, um, taking a bath. Like there are a wide variety of different ways that you can get into more of a parasympathetic state, um, low level energy. I've been finding that like doing a lot of like floor work has been really grounding for me. Um, that is something that we need to be paying more attention to. And trying to increase more in our life. And then also it would just be nice if like the world wasn't as stressful as it is. But I don't feel like we have a lot of control over that. Besides, like once again, call your senators, vote for people that are going to promote the future that you would like to see in the world. But in the meantime, it's like what can we do for our own like little bubble meat suit body that is going to keep us from existing in a sympathetic state all the time. Um, and what what you are going to enjoy, what your body is going to respond to, what your nervous system is going to respond to is probably going to be different than mine, but it's something that I would like to highly encourage you to find a way to um, get into. Breathing is huge. Like, please just like breathe in general, but then having some like intentional breath work time. Um, cold plunges are also a nice nervous system reset. I did one of those yesterday. I got into the creek with Samson when he was swimming. Um, and it's been it's been really nice to kind of be more balanced. So that is hopefully interesting and kind of helpful for you to to consider. Um, and I would love to hear what parasympathetic activities you enjoy. Um, that you found to be beneficial because those are the, the ones that I tend to lean to and then talking to um, a therapist. Tapping, oh, that was another, sorry, I got really excited. Tapping on your body is also really um, good for me, I guess. And there's a whole, I can't think of what it is. There's like a whole thing where it's like you can tap on different parts of your body and it will like activate different things. If I can think of that, I will um, add it to the show notes, but I can't think of what it is. Um, honestly, I used to think it was bullshit. I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is like literally the silliest thing that I have ever experienced. You're just tapping on your body. Um, but I've been 
trying to open myself up into things that I previously dismissed. And one of the things that my therapist actually has me do is to like cross my arms and like tap on my chest when I get really overwhelmed. And I found that it can be really beneficial um, to kind of calm me down in the moment. And when I'm out in public and I start to get overwhelmed for whatever reason, just like tapping on a different part of my body because it would be weird for me to like walk around in the middle of public like tapping on my chest but I'll like tap on my leg um or on my arm and like that kind of just like repetitive sensation can be enough to like kick me into more of a like zen state so feel free to give that a shot if you want I don't think it's going to hurt anything for you to tap on your body um and then yeah I would love to hear if there's anything particular that you find to be beneficial Take care of yourselves, my dears. The, um, there's a lot going on. Um, if you're not feeling like you have the energy to do all of the things that you used to do or that you like think you're supposed to be able to do, that's normal. Um, there's only Your body only has so much to give and our nervous systems are very taxed. So it's a long weekend in the States at least. So make sure that you are enjoying it or try to enjoy it. Try to make sure, not trying to tell you what to do, but just this is like a really good time with it being the weekend and um, almost a new month to just try and bring more awareness to how your nervous system is operating and make any changes that you can if you have the ability to to do so. Well, um, that's all I got for y'all for this one. I will be checking in in the next week or so with another episode. And if you have any question com- questions, comments, concerns about anything, feel free to send me a message on Instagram. All right. Have a good day. Bye.